Good morning, my friend. Dr. Lee Warren here with you, and I am grateful to be coming at you with self-brain surgery Saturday is Saturday. Actually, recording this on Friday. I am getting a cold. My voice is starting to fade, and I'm pretty sure I won't be able to talk by tomorrow. So giving you self-brain surgery Saturday, recording one day early, and I'm grateful to have the opportunity to do so. And today, I'm going to give you an episode. I've told you about it already. A couple of weeks ago, I had a chance to sit down via Riverside electronically with Greg Pruitt. Greg is the president of an organization called Pioneer Bible Translators. He has written an incredible book called Extraordinary Hearing. Okay, extraordinary hearing. It's about how you hear God. And I told you I was going to hold this until after I had my interview with Pete Greig. But the Holy Spirit is doing something to me. He's he's telling me it's time to bring you this. And I'm going to tell you why. Yesterday, you if you're looking back through the episodes on the podcast, wherever you listen to, you'll notice that yesterday afternoon I re-released an old episode called The Suffering Substitution. That was one of the early self-brain surgery Saturday episodes, Suffering Substitution. If you haven't heard it yet, maybe stop what you're doing right now and go back and listen to it before you listen to this one with Greg. And the reason is I talked about, very vulnerably talked about in that episode, a time when I was certain that I heard something from God. I'm not a person who goes around saying that I hear God speak to me or I hear God's voice. I'm not a charismatic person. I'm very careful always to, to not attribute to something to God that could just be my own brain happening. So I'm careful saying that thing. I'm not real comfortable with it. But I want you to know that God speaks to us, not just through the written word. He does communicate with you. And that's why yesterday on Frontal Lobe Friday, we talked about the importance of keeping your mind open and available to him. We talked about alcohol and how it diminishes the capacity of the prefrontal cortex and how your prefrontal cortex is involved in helping you make good executive decisions. And so I I just want to tell you that I was going to hold that episode with Greg, but I've been looking at 1 Peter and if you if you think about what's important, if a, if an author is trying to make sure you get the message of something that's important, or a public speaker wants to make sure that you get the message of something that's important, they start with it and they end with it, right? My dad used to always tell us about public speaking. He would say, hey, tell them what you're going to tell them, and then tell them, and then tell them what you told them. And that comes from way back in Zig Ziglar and even before that, way back to Aristotle, like this concept of how do you get a message across? Start with it and end with it. And I'm going to tell you, in the book of First Peter, in the New Testament, he ends with a thought in chapter 5. Let me go to it real quick. In First Peter chapter 5, Peter, the apostle of Jesus Christ, says this. He's talking about what kind of time they're in. And what you need to do to be prepared for such a time. And he says this, First Peter 5, 8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's saying, keep your mind open. Be vigilant. Be sober. Be listening. Friend, I'm telling you, we're in a time in our life right now when there's a lot going on. We're in a time of a world where that people need the hope that you have. People need to know that you are able to help them find their way out of this suffering that this life offers. And if you're going through trauma or tragedy or some kind of massive thing, you need to hear that voice. You need to be able to know that God, like I said yesterday in Isaiah 30, is going to give you that, hey, don't go that way, go this way. I'm trying to help you out here, friend. Listen, hear my voice. Well, let me tell you, so I told you, 
Peter ends his book, 1 Peter 5, with saying, hey, be alert and of sober mind. He also started his book that way. Check this verse out, 1 Peter 1, 13. So in the very first chapter, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. The King James translates that this way. And Tata and I are going to talk about this on Tuesdays with Tata next week. Peter says this, 1 Peter 1.13 in the King James, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Gird up the loins of your mind. What does that mean? It's an old phrase. It's used in the Old Testament a couple of different times. One in Job when God says, hey, gird up your loins because I'm getting ready to question you and you're going to answer me. And Paul uses the term when he talks about the armor of God. Gird your loins with the truth. Be ready. This is basically as a saying that means you get yourself ready because something's coming and you need to be ready for it. And Peter starts his book by saying, gird up the loins of your mind. We're always talking about you can't change your life until you change your mind, right? There's so much more to this. But Greg Pruitt is going to give us an opportunity to understand how to hear God. And I'm going to give you that episode now. We're going to do two more episodes about hearing God before the end of the year. One from Pete Greek and one from Dr. Lee Warren about how you learn to hear the voice of God and how you can use it to be ready for whatever comes along. So without further ado... Here's the episode I recorded with Greg Pruitt, and I had already recorded a preamble and a post and all that, so I'm just going to tag this onto the front of it, but I want you to be ready. Gird up the loins of your mind. Learn how to hear. Go back and hear the Suffering Substitution and Frontal Lobe Friday from yesterday if you haven't. That'll prepare you for the full impact of what Greg is going to give you, and don't forget, my friend, to start today. Hey, my friend, Dr. Lee Warren here. So glad and honored to have you join me for another episode of self-brain surgery. Today we're going to talk about how we can change our minds and change our lives in the realm of learning to hear God more effectively in our lives. If you've been through some massive thing, and I know you have, or you're going through it with somebody else, or you wouldn't be listening to this show, if you've been through something really hard, or somebody you love is going through or has gone through something really hard, one of the things you'll know, one of the things you'll learn, if you haven't, is that it can get really hard to feel like you're connected to God. Your doubts spring up, faith begins to crumble, and you can find yourself feeling very vulnerable and almost like you can't hear from God, like you're not even sure He's there. And so today we're going to talk to Greg Pruitt, who has written one of the most important books I've ever read. It's called Extraordinary Hearing. Another one of Greg's books that was really powerful was called Extreme Prayer. And Greg is the president of an organization called Pioneer Bible Translators. Pioneer Bible Translators goes into countries in the world, into regions of countries in the world where they don't have a written language, and they work and live among the people long enough to help them turn their language into a written language, and then they translate the Bible into that language. And you'll hear Greg say how many countries and how many languages they've done that, and now they're translating the Bible into video sign languages for hundreds of languages around the world that have never been translated for people that can't hear. And so the Word of God is coming to people in sign languages in video form in their own language that they've never been able to hear before. And it's amazing the work that they're doing. But along the way, Greg has discerned the need to be able to hear God in times when you really need to know what He has to say. 
It might surprise you some of the things that Greg talks about. And his book, Extraordinary Hearing, is fantastic. It's powerful. It's useful. And it'll help you change your mind and change your life. And I'm so excited and honored that Greg took 45 minutes or so with us today to help us learn how to hear God in an extraordinary and meaningful way. And that, my friend, leaves me with just one question. Hey, are you ready to change your life? If the answer is yes, there's only one rule. You have to change your mind first. And my friend, there's a place where the neuroscience of how your mind works smashes together with faith and everything starts to make sense. Are you ready to change your life? Well, this is the place, Self-Brain Surgery School. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and this is where we go deep into how we're wired, take control of our thinking, and find real hope. This is where we learn to become healthier, feel better, and be happier. This is where we leave the past behind and transform our minds. This is where we start today. Are you ready? This is your podcast. This is your place. This is your time, my friend. Let's get after it. Before we start, would you mind praying for us? Lord, it's always a challenge to have the mental acuity to be able to answer questions on the spot. I pray that you would be, what I'm asking you for is that you would exert your sovereignty over this conversation, that it would glorify you as much as at all possible between me, me and Dr. Warren. And Lord, I pray that uh, you would bless him and bless me. And I pray that you would uh, anoint us to be able to help people in pain, just as he said to be able to find their way closer and nearer to you, Lord. What a blessing. I pray that it would really happen, that many people would come close to you and learn to hear your voice, I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you. Hey, so you're in Dallas. Shout out to all our listeners in Dallas and my parents and everybody down there in in Texas and all of our family, most of our families in San Antonio still. Hey, I asked you on the show today, Greg, because I want to talk about your most recent book, Extraordinary Hearing. But before we do that, tell us a little bit about the work that you do as a Bible translator, a little bit about pioneer Bible translators and, and that important work and how people can get involved if they want to. Sure. Pioneer Bible Translators disciples the Bibleist peoples of the world. So everywhere people are without scripture, and especially in those places where they're unreached or unengaged with the gospel, we we put together teams of people and try to find ways to actually make sure that not only are they getting the scriptures translated into their language, and but they're also learning to use it to transform lives in their community. And we happen to be in a really incredible moment. In, in time where the whole Bible translation movement, even though it really started picking up steam in the 1930s and 40s, back then they had no idea how big of a job it was. And we're finally at the point where in just the next five years, probably our clear list of language translation needs is going to get really close to zero. And by 2035, every language on earth will be in progress that needs it. And so we're just in this beautiful moment in the Bible translation movement where everyone is starting to get scripture in their language. There's not anybody left behind. And uh, right now you can, everybody can get involved in that. It costs like $35 to translate a verse on average. And you can go on Pioneer Bible's website and find our verse by verse webpage and just say, I'm going to translate one today and just do it. That's incredible. How did you get into Bible translating as a way to spend your life? As it turns out, it was my wife's idea. I was very interested in missions. I wanted to work. Eventually, I decided I wanted to work among Muslims. 
And it was my wife who wanted to do Bible translation. And I didn't want to do Bible translation. So we compromised and we did Bible translation. uh, (laughs) That's a wise man. (laughs) But I ended up finding out that really God made me to be a Bible translator, that I would have missed my whole, the whole point of my life and my created purpose if I had not listened to my wife. And now there's no living with her because she was right. She was right about that. So who knows what else she was right. She's been right about since, right? That's right. <laughs> That's amazing. So you went many years into the field, like like literally living among the people who needed Bible in their language. So talk about that kind of part of your life, the mission, or you raised your kids, had your kids on the mission field. We moved over when we didn't have any kids to West Africa country, and we lived in a remote village where they had no scripture, but also just one church on our and in in, among the ethnic group on our side of the border, and it was one church of forty, fifty people among literally eighty thousand Muslims. So it's we lived there, and we were there about twelve and a half years, and then we keep going back periodically. And any day, at any moment, probably during this podcast, somebody will call me on Facebook Messenger from over there. We're in continual communication with them. And those are practically our relatives now. Yeah, that's incredible. So you literally spent years talking and working among people who didn't have the ability to read God's Word in their own language. And in some cases, it didn't even have a written language, right? So part of it is sometimes translating a language that they can read and write in, teaching people how to read in their mother tongue, right? Almost every language community where we work part of the issue is that their language just has never been written down or maybe maybe the next language over that's very similar has been written down and we have to do research to try to figure out okay what's a really proper way of writing this you don't want to mess up somebody's alphabet you've got to get right (laughs) if you think about how hard it is to spell in english or in french you can see how having a, a messed up writing system can have far-reaching impact on education. Yeah. So that's always an issue. It's always a part of it, teaching people to read their own language. Or in a lot of cases, we end up, for the the masses, we'll do audio, an audio recording of the whole New Testament. Wow. That's remarkable. So at some point you started writing books. I've read two of your books, uh, Extreme Prayer and Extraordinary Hearing. Tell us just a, in case somebody hasn't read, talk just for a second about uh, Extreme Prayer and what, what that book's about and, and what the message is. Okay, it comes from a, a period of desperation in my own life when I was transitioning from being in West Africa and I was over there minding my own business, translating the Bible. I was really gifted at hunting warthogs and fixing yeah. dryers and living in remote parts of the world and off the grid and then they called me on the satellite phone and said hey we want you to be the president of pioneer bible translators and at first i was pretty i don't know maybe flattered impressed or eager and then i realized no man i'm in big trouble there's, <laughs> there's i'm gonna i'm gonna get over there in this board meeting and they're gonna say president pruitt what's the big idea what's the strategy that's gonna take us into the future and i didn't have anything so I, I, but I, it was real clear what we had to do. We had to double in size because we had been eight years. People had been asking us for scriptures, and we had had to say, "Listen, we don't have any resources right now to meet your need." And so we, I just remember thinking, "No, we can't 
that can't be the norm for us. We have to get ex- double everything. We have to get more capacity worldwide in every circumstance. And so that, that, that became, for me, the big question. And I decided, hey, I'm a Bible translator. Maybe I could read the Bible. Maybe there's something in there that might actually help me. And I found all these open-ended promises in Scripture by Jesus where he promised that he would do anything under certain conditions. And so I started looking and digging out those principles. And I said, what if this is it? What if this could be, what if prayer, instead of talking about our strategies, what if we made prayer the strategy of our work? And we just centered everything and around the core of prayer. And we really trusted in God. And we really, that, that became the way we do everything. And probably that's, that's the premise of the, the first book, Extreme Prayer. And probably I never really had another great idea after that. <laughs> I was, but that one idea was enough. I, I don't need two ideas. That one's so powerful. And so we've organized everything around that. And we have seen God, we've become a movement of God's Holy Spirit. And we've seen God move in great power. And back then, we were translating the Bible for about... 9 million people speaking 35 languages in five countries. And now uh, instead of 9 million, it's uh, 190 million people. And instead of 35 languages, we're translating the Bible into 126 languages in, in 31 countries instead of five countries. And so we've just seen God answer our prayers over and over again. And it's it's a little bit humbling when you're a one-trick pony CEO where all you got is, we're going to pray about it. And, yep. and so, where are we going to get the money? Well, we're going to pray about it. Where are we going to find the people? Guess what? It's the same thing. And just over and over again, that's all we that's all we really rely on. And it turns out it's really good. It's a good strategy. I remember the, an old story about an elders meeting where they were fighting. They were having a big fight about something going on in the church, and finally one of the elders says, maybe we should pray about it. And another elder says, has it come to that? Is that all we got? Like prayer, really? <laughs> I love it. So I've read three books in my life aiming at learning how to hear God. The three best books I've read about learning how to hear God. Dallas Willard's book, Hearing God, was really seminal in my formation of understanding that. And then more recently, Pete Grieg wrote a really wonderful little book called How to Hear God, A Simple Guide for Normal People. And then your book, Extraordinary Hearing, which I, I have to tell you, I, I found some common ground with you because we share a, a faith background, a, 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 an upbringing of a similar style and group. And the way I was raised, we were taught, without any question, God's already said all the words He's ever going to say, and they're in the book, and that's what you got. And so don't be out there listening for God to say something else because He's already said all of it. And I don't know if yours was that explicit or not. but Oh, yeah. So I spent a lot of time in my life trying to find answers to questions I couldn't find answers to and wondering why God didn't seem to be showing up, and especially when I lost my son. I mean, I spent some time... Where is God in this, and why can't I feel Him? And 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 sometimes you need to hear Him, and and so maybe just talk for a second about the the, the concept of why so many of us don't think that God speaks anymore, and, and how you found your way through that idea. I think it's so much more convenient when we can control the outcomes, and we feel comfortable. We feel comfortable when we're sure that we've got just one book to look into and there's nothing else coming and i think that that comfort 
that certainty has led a lot of us to to the theology that you can find in that people can identify in scripture if they work at it uh, they can be pretty persuasive where you know no the, the now that the bible has come that's the end of revelation yeah um, but I, I don't find that to be a very biblical perspective after i thought through it and i also don't my experience doesn't bear that up and <clears throat> there's passages in the bible where just think about in revelation where he says behold i stand at the door and knock he's talking to the church he's talking to a church and he says if anyone hears my voice and opens the door i'll come in and eat with him and he with me and if there wasn't going to be a voice it would it was a terrible thing to say Yeah. yeah so there's a lot in there in in the last days it says that your young men will dream dreams and your old men will see visions or, or vice versa. I can't recall but yeah. you know, it. It doesn't say that's going to end. It says in the last days, which presumably we're either there or it's ahead of us. It's not behind yeah. us. But that's going to be happening in the last days. There's a lot of things in the Bible that when you read it, it doesn't imply that God is going to stop speaking it. As a matter of fact, the the beginning of this book that I wrote was aimed at trying to understand what's the God of the Bible? What's his character? Yeah. And is that a character that continues to speak? And uh, it's interesting. It seems almost like from the Garden of Eden, the whole point of making people was that he could enjoy fellowship with them. That's right. And there were people that walked with God, and those people, he would draw them to his side and he would explain things to them. And uh, he just all through the Bible, the shocking thing is when he stops talking. That's People right. Say, in that time, it was crazy. In that time, the word of the Lord or the visions from God were not very frequent. You know? That's right. The, without, the, without a vision, the people perish, right? Yeah. So it, it's uh, from my perspective, after looking through it very carefully, I said, God, none of us can tell God not to speak. Uh, That's right. And, and it, he, he's always spoken before. I don't know why suddenly... Now that the church is inhabited by, each person inhabited by the Holy Spirit, why he would speak less. You know, wow. that seems unlikely. It does. And, and you, in your work in the field, especially in Muslim countries, I'm sure you've encountered and you've written about people who first hear about Jesus through a dream or a vision. Talk about an experience that you've had where you've heard something like that happen. Oh, it's very common. As a matter of fact, up until... I guess starting in the 1980s and 1990s, there began to be great movements among Muslim people groups when there had never been before that. And one of the big elements was that that was around the same time people started praying for Muslims during the time of Ramadan. So a great prayer movement built up starting in in that time, beginning in the early 90s, it began to gain momentum. And that kind of at the same time as that great prayer movement, fairly mysteriously, Muslims started having dreams about Jesus. Yeah. And a lot of them came to faith in Christ. And apparently some of them also did not, because I know of people that that had those dreams that were Muslims that did not come to faith. Like the, the man who was the great diviner in our village context, his name was Manga Kumbung. And uh, Chief Kumbung got up at one of our church 
Christmas celebrations where we would always invite all these Muslims to come, the Muslim leaders from our whole region to come to church so we could explain to them who Jesus is on Christmas. And this chief got up and said, y'all need to listen to these people because I had a dream. And in my dream, I was standing between two towns and one of the towns there was singing and music and celebration and laughter and in the other town it was suffering and high up between the two towns i saw this man and i asked him i said i would like to go into that town and he said you can't because you're not following jesus or maybe he said you're not a muslim or you're a muslim so you can't i can't recall it but the guy woke up and he said let's pay attention to what these people are saying but he was very old and he died still a muslim so wow. i figure so it's not a magic trick people still have free will and some people will come to christ to believe in him and some to not believe in him even in despite of his appearance to them that's fascinating it's like it says in the book of revelation and in spite of all of this effort on god's part to reveal himself people still didn't follow wow and i've heard stories like that before and i have to confess cynicism and that sort of thing based on my conservative upbringing when i've heard stories like that jd greer's written about many of them when he worked in muslim countries and pete Greig's written about it and just last week i was on the 700 club last week and the day after i was there a muslim guy who used to be a hamas fighter presented his testimony of how he was arrested and put in prison in Malaysia and Jesus came to him in his in his cell and basically told him I, I forgive you if you'll believe me and presented to him an argument that made sense to him in his Muslim mind of who Jesus was and who the prophets were and basically this guy was converted to Christ by Christ in a prison cell and now I hear that story and after reading your book and I'm like that really happened. Like This guy changed his life yeah. because Jesus came to him. Yeah, we've had many experiences like that. People coming to faith just on the evidence of dreams and visions that they had and coming into town looking for Christians. You wow. know, just, just looking for who, who might be out there that would know more about Jesus. And there wow. we are and, and come and start churches that way. Wow. That's incredible. Now, it's not just dreams and visions that, t- that God speaks to us. You, you make it clear there's other ways that we hear Him. So tell us, you wrote this story about when you decided to translate the Bible for deaf people. And you tell this beautiful story about how God revealed to you that He was angry about the mm. fact that we've ignored them largely. And, and then you, it was verified in another way. So to tell about that. I thought that was the most fascinating story. When I, I got involved in writing this book because people ask me a lot of questions about okay hearing from god and i at first i thought to myself really i don't know anything about that it was just an assumption that you had to do it and then i started realizing no it's actually my job to receive guidance from the holy spirit well and lead the organization pioneer bible translators into the future that god dictates for us this was an example of that experience and i've realized okay i must be doing something because that's really a lot of what i do is try to ask god what should we do next and then make sure that we're doing what he's expressing to us that in through the power of his spirit that we must do this was an example of that experience where i became aware that there were 400 sign languages in the world 
who knew, right? We were professionals at this, and we didn't know that those were languages like any other languages, even just with a, a different, maybe really a different kind of language, but nevertheless languages. And I got to the point where I realized the Bible translation movement has planned the entire movement to succeed at crossing the greatest milestones in Great Commission history where everyone, everywhere, as long as they, they can hear, is going to encounter Scripture. Wow. And we've been acting like Jesus only died for hearing people, and he didn't also die for these deaf people, 70 million of them worldwide, 400 different languages. And we planned the whole Bible translation movement, excluding those 70 million people. And we were going to complete it. We had it all lined up. And we were reluctant to add 400 languages to our list, knowing that we didn't know really how to accomplish that. That wasn't what we were good at. Sign language translation, think about a video of a person signing the content and meaning of Scripture. Wow. That's different than writing. And that's their way of communicating. They can also sometimes read written languages, but those written languages are not their language. That's English, not American Sign Language. So these are different languages. So that was a big shock to us. And then the big question was, what do I, what must I do? And what must Pioneer Bible Translators do? Because we've never done this before. And so I put together a letter, a funding letter, and I put together a plan, but I was not 100% sure that God wanted us to do sign language Bible translation ourselves. It just wasn't something we had ever done before. And I really felt like I needed to know, because if I sent this letter out and announced to all of our donors that this is what we were going to do, it would be eventually, if it wasn't of God, it would be a train wreck. And I would be the guy blowing the train whistle the whole way. So I thought, this is, I got to know, I really got to know. So I just sat down in this very chair and one day, and I said, Lord, I got to, you've got to tell me. There's no other way. I can't think my way out of this. And I remembered, Lord, do you want us to do Bible translation in sign languages? And I remember just like tilting my head up like this, pointing like my ear, hear, yeah. pointing my ear up to the sky, thinking maybe that would get it a little closer up there to hear better or something, as if I was going to hear a voice. I was expecting an internal voice, and then all of a sudden. At a certain point, I had the most singular experience of my lifetime where I found myself on my knees, on my face, next to my chair instead of in my chair, and I was shaking, and uh, I had the sense that, yes, not only were we to be personally involved in doing Bible translation, but he was angry with the church for not paying attention to the deaf and it was a it took me a while to to sort through why he was so angry about that but at that very moment it's like when your mother's mad the first thing you do or you're going to start washing the dishes i just got up off my off the floor i sat down in this desk and i opened up youtube and i googled american sign language learning and i just started right there studying american sign language thinking we have to start learning about this So now we have, I think, around 17 or more deaf colleagues on our staff, and I've learned quite a bit of sign language, and we have a plan, and we're working the plan, and now God is blessing that, and it's like the book of Acts, 
if everybody in it was deaf. Wow. We're in that moment where the deaf are rising up to be missionaries to the deaf. Wow. Is there anything similar about the difference in how blind people experience Scripture when they read? It's very different, actually. Blind people are hearing English, and they learn to communicate in English. And then if they want to read, they can also use Braille. But all of that is sound-related language. It's like when you're trying to teach a kid to read. You say, sound it out. What's the k? That's right. It's all sound. But deaf people have never heard a sound. Sound doesn't make sense to them necessarily. Not ever, Many of them have never heard a sound. And so it's all visual. They're, they're, it's not that they're... The big thing about them is not that they can't hear. The big thing about them is how visually oriented they are and how yeah. visually uh, capable they are. And so everything they do is visually communicated. It leads to a completely different perspective. Wow. So on, on a practical level, Greg, somebody wants to learn to hear God more effectively, or maybe for the first time, like I said a while ago, like, I have a very limited number of times in my life when I can say, yeah, I know I heard, on, I know I heard from God on that. How, how do we do that? How do we develop that ability to develop extraordinary hearing in our lives? There's a lot that you can do to put yourself in a position to hear from God. I think the largest section of the book is a middle section that talks about how to draw near enough to God to hear Him whisper. And it's all organized around the 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 word proactive, and each letter yep. stands for something. And it makes sure that you're. It gives you how you can read scripture in a way that puts you in a good position to hear from God, and how you can spend time in worship and thanksgiving. And, and how you can confess and remove some of the static by removing sin from your life and how you can yeah. in, invest in intercessory prayer and spiritual warfare to get some of yeah. those. But all of that, there's even like a template that I find helpful and some people have yeah. found helpful to give you a way to organize your prayer life so that you're drawing closer to God. You've got all the elements needed in your life that are drawing you close enough to God that he would be interested in speaking with you about something. You've got 31,000 verses of scripture in front of you. If you haven't yep. started obeying those, what does he have to say? You, the first thing would be, hey, get on those. So if you begin working in your life to, to learn to obey scripture well, then and you get involved in something that God is doing in the world today, then you're putting yourself in a position where he would very likely have something he, he would like to express to you. Yeah, you said something about prayer. It just reminded me that that is right in line with what you just said. Let me quote you to you. You said, let me find it first. I'll edit that pause out. Where is that? I've lost my... Oh, here it is. Okay. Prayer is not about getting whatever we want. It's how God releases his power in us to get whatever he wants. I love that line. Yeah, that definitely I still agree. <laughs> you hear people, sometimes you hear people say things like, the Spirit led me to leave my wife, or the Spirit mm. released me to do this thing. And whenever you hear that, I, you always have to go back and say, is this 
thing that I think I heard consistent with the Word, because God's Spirit and His voice will never contradict what He's already told us in Scripture, right? Pete Greek said, Jesus is what God sounds like. So if you want to know what He sounds like, know the Word. Yeah, the way that, you know, if you think about the way that we are created, it's not that we don't hear voices in our mind. There's been decade-plus secular research done to show that people experience, often they experience their thoughts as as an internal monologue or some right. kind of people you hear about people talking about intrusive thoughts and thought the, these hearing things in our mind is actually hearing voices is not a sign that you're crazy it's just what how human beings experience their internal life that's right and so it's not a problem of hearing voices our problem is discerning which of these thoughts and which of these voices are our own or are from demonic influences on our life trying to tempt us trying to draw us away or are they maybe the anxieties we get from human expectations or are they actually the holy spirit impressing on us an idea of his so strongly that words form around it in our mind and we begin to hear in our minds this voice of the holy spirit speaking to us and the way you discern is by with some experience being able to say okay this voice, these thoughts that are like this, those lead, when I act on those, they lead to eternal fruit. They lead to a sense of contentment, a sense of unity with other people. And there are other voices in my mind that when I heed those, they lead to bitterness, destruction, temptation, addiction. And learning from experience Which of these voices in my mind are not contradicting scripture? Which of these ideas are consistent? And being able to corroborate them and say, okay, when I'm hearing something like this, it's consistent with Jesus in scripture. And so there's a sense of corroboration that has to happen. And gradually, like Jesus said, the sheep know the shepherd. Gradually with time and experience, knowing The difference between the voice that leads to eternal fruit and contentedness in our lives versus the voice that leads to destruction in our lives. Or just human, my own personal thoughts that come out as just confusion. When I follow those, just confusion at worst, or confusion at times it's okay, but it's not the voice of God that, that, like Jeremiah said, that smashes like a hammer and burns like a fire yeah. that's the the voice of the lord versus man i'll mow the lawn which is just human expectations or whatever and <laughs> right. these voices just churn and churn inside of us and identifying and discerning takes experience but it's the that's results right. it's the results that you can really trust that's right. And we talk about it on this podcast, we talk about neuroscience a lot because I'm a brain surgeon. And we talk about how we have uh, up to 40,000 thoughts a day that at five to one, they're negative. Five to one, they're not true. They're just chemical events in our brain or things triggered by the environment or memories or those other things. And, and some of those thoughts are 
demonic influences, temptations, and all of that. But you can learn what God sounds like. And your book, really, you did a fascinating, a wonderful job of the theology and applying it in a way that people can really do. There's a template, like Greg said, friend, if you're listening and you're looking for a way to learn how to hear God's voice, I highly recommend Extraordinary Hearing by Greg Pruitt. This is a book. We'll put it on the website. And it's just a book that will help you tune in to the things that God wants you to know in, in a deeper relationship with Him, which I, th- I just commend you, Greg, for giving us this tool. Um, it's become important in my life, and I'm, I'm really grateful that you wrote it and that you took the time to talk to us about it today. It did take me about nine years between those two books <laughs> to figure that one out. It. So I, if it's not any good, then don't tell me. <laughs> it, it is good. Hey, listen, so somebody out there, Greg, is – in the midst of that we call it the massive thing the, the hardest thing they've been through they just got the diagnosis they, they just lost a child the, the husband just left i hear from these people every day on, that are listening to this show and when you're in that state of the thing that's the worst thing you've ever been through is really raw and fresh like what's a way that people can in that moment can receive some help from god that they they might not know how to look for what would you say as a pastor uh, to somebody in that fresh moment of pain i print it out and put on my wall and i'll read it to you the the my scriptural answer to that in 30 isaiah 30 15 through 16 he says in repentance and rest is your salvation in quietness and trust is your strength, but you would have none of it. You said, no, we will flee on horses. Therefore, you will flee. And the prophet is saying quietness and rest and repentance and trust are the things that will get you through that hard moment. And if you say, no, we're going to get on a horse and gallop. I'm going to accelerate my life. I'm going to use artificial intelligence. I'm going to use the latest technology. I'm going to fill my life with books and TV and internet, what have you. No, you will flee. You will accelerate your life out of control, trying to medicate your stress and strain. But if quietness and repentance and uh, rest and trust... If you can get quiet every day for a time and say, Lord, I am so lost and I can't find you, would you find me? Would you come and find me because I can't find you? And he will come and he will find you. And you will find rest when you get quiet. Wow. That's the... That's probably the reason the Holy Spirit prompted me to reach out to you, Greg. That's going to help somebody. Tyndale is your publisher. Katie, there's a publicist who set this up. We're so grateful for Katie. We'll shout her out here on the podcast. And, and I'm, I just encourage you, even if it takes you another nine years, brother, write another book. You're two for two. You're doing great work. And uh, just God bless you and your family. I'm going to encourage the listeners here to support Pioneer Bible Translators. Um, Lisa and I have been you know, supporting you all for a long time, and we, we believe in your work. Our son Josh spent a year with you in Africa and just – changed his life and so thanks for all that you do greg and god bless you and your family thank you lee i appreciate it
What an incredible conversation. Thanks to Greg for taking the time to be with us today and for the incredible work that he's doing around the world. If you're interested in supporting Pioneer Bible Translators, please check out the website, pioneerbible.org, pioneerbible.org. This is a great organization. We have been personally invested with them for a long time. Our son Josh spent a year with Greg in Africa translating the Bible and helping to take care of people in Guinea, West Africa. It's been a, a powerful part of his story for many years, and we're grateful for Greg and for you listening. Hey, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts or subscribe to this YouTube channel at the button below and, and share with your friends if you think it's valuable. God bless you, friend. Remember, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and the good news is you can start today. Hey, thanks for listening. The Dr. Lee Warren Podcast is brought to you by my brand new book, Hope is the First Dose. It's a treatment plan for recovering from trauma, tragedy, and other massive things. It's available everywhere books are sold, and I narrated the audio books. Hey, the theme music for the show is Get Up by my friend Tommy Walker, available for free at TommyWalkerMinistries.org. They are supplying worship resources for worshipers all over the world to worship the Most High God. And if you're interested in learning more, check out TommyWalkerMinistries.org. If you need prayer, go to the prayer wall at WLeeWarrenMD.com slash prayer, WLeeWarrenMD.com slash prayer, and go to my website and sign up for the newsletter, Self Brain Surgery, every Sunday since 2014, helping people in all 50 states and 60-plus countries around the world. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I'll talk to you soon. Remember, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind. And the good news is you can start today.